Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird, and this show is about philanthropy, entrepreneurship, positive thinking, and humanity. A show that will help you make the decision when that hour is upon you. Our guests share some of their experience, their expertise, and their stories on their decision hour. You get to hear what they're doing today and how they might be able to help you. My guest today is the same. Man, doing great things uh, in the community, and we're going to bring him on here in just a few minutes. First, I want to give a huge thanks to the Heroes Media Group and all the great shows uh, and sponsors of that network. To learn more about the Heroes Media Group, all the shows, or how you can become a part of the HMG family, simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Folks, it's that time now. Grab a pen, something to write with, because it's time for the Decision Hour. My guest today, he is truly uh, the definition of, of what we call it here at, at Heroes Media Group uh, a hero. He's a, he's a community hero. He's served this country. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to bring him on right now uh, without butchering his name here too, too badly, Mr. Gordon Kikuyu. Gordon, are you there? I sure am, Adam, and thanks for having me on today. It's well, great to be with you, and uh, hello to all the listeners. Uh, we appreciate you having on, sir. Uh, it's, you know, I've been been got to know you uh, a little bit offline uh, here, and I've heard great things uh, great things about you. Uh, you're a wonderful individual, and you're doing some really great things uh, in the Heroes community. Gordon, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, I'm no kid, Adam. You know, I'm I'm going to be 72 this year, um, which hardly seems possible. <laughs> Quite frankly, uh, <clears throat> when we're in Vietnam, we'd never thought we'd make it past 35, and we figured, what the hell? There's nothing to do past 35 anyway. <laughs> uh, but that was so. That was a surprise. But um, basically, I, I grew up uh, primarily in New Orleans, but I came from a military family on both sides. And so I moved around quite a bit uh, when Dad was in the Air Force. And then as soon as I finished school, I went into uh, the Army and uh, as an enlisted man for a while and then went to OCS and ended up in uh, Special Forces and uh, served in Okinawa for a while and then uh, transitioned down to Vietnam where I was with the uh, Military Advisory uh, Command Studies and Observation Group, uh, MAGV SOG. Uh, I was basically in the highlands for most of that time, and our mission was to run cross-border ground reconnaissance in denied areas, which at that time, of course, were Laos, Cambodia, primarily the demilitarized zone. And uh, that was uh, really quite an experience because, you know, even though you, I appreciate the fact that you introduced me as a hero, uh, I was not, and am not, but the uh, men I served with then were just quite outstanding and it's a shame because of the deep classification of the program that more of the american public is not familiar with names you know like robert howard and others who really should be household words i mean you know this gentleman was nominated three times for the congressional medal of honor um following my military experience which terminated with uh, a uh, you know, I had to do serve time at the Pentagon and then uh, over three years at the State Department before I retired in 1987. I spent some time with General Electric Aerospace, uh, opened an office for them in Seoul, Korea, ran a nonprofit out of uh, Manhattan called the Korea Society, had a uh, fairly large alpaca ranch in upstate New York for a dozen years, and uh, after 9-11 really got uh, into a lot of media work, mostly um, analy analyzing, you know, what was going on with GWOT and the, uh, you know, the Iraqi uh, war in Iraq and Afghanistan, did a lot of writing, and uh, uh, since that time have uh, published three books, uh, the last uh, co-authored with my wife, Chris, called Warrior Police, where we went to Iran and, or, excuse me, Iraq and Afghanistan and embedded with U.S. soldiers. And the uh, came up with the, you know, the idea. Actually, it was Chris's idea. In fact, I want to make sure up front that when we talk about Valhalla Project, that the listeners understand that uh, really from uh, bayonet stab to butt plate, the Valhalla Project has been 
uh, Chris's brainchild all along when we were in in between embeds to Afghanistan. She said, you know, soldiers have taken care of us downrange, and we ought to, really ought to do something when we settle back in the States to uh, take care of them. And that became, you know, that was the genesis for the uh, Valhalla Project. When we ultimately came back, we had notionally picked a place to settle in to, to have Valhalla. We kind of wanted it centrally located in the United States so when veterans came here they wouldn't have to travel too, too far. Right. Um, we also wanted it to be in a four-season climate. Uh, neither one of us are uh, uh, crazy about excessive cold or excessive hot. <laughs> and uh, we wanted it to be in kind of a, a, a nice scenic but somewhat rural area where we wouldn't be bought where we could have a homestead which is what we have now and we wouldn't be bothered by a lot of uh, uh, super intrusive regulatory agencies and this sort of thing so we looked to the Ozarks and ultimately uh, tied in with a really good realtor we had a wish list of exactly what we were looking for in priority order mm -hmm. and we settled on in July of 2011 we uh, closed on 200 acres here in north-central Arkansas, very close to the Missouri line, with uh, springs, running streams, uh, varied terrain. Uh, it had not been logged in probably, I'm guessing, 50 to 60 years. So we had beautiful trees. Uh, we had about <clears throat> have about 30 to 40 acres of uh, open land so that we can do grazing and ultimately perhaps some main type cropping, you know, the things that take up a lot of space. And there was a house on the site, so that, that made it a little easier too. We didn't, because initially th we thought we'd have to build from scratch. So we got settled in and almost immediately began to have veterans come down and uh, spend some time with us. And subsequent to that, we have developed the homestead infrastructure to the point where we really can comfortably house six to eight veterans at any particular time. And, uh, I mean, we've had as many as a dozen, but it sort of involves, you know, sleeping on sofas and stuff. And let me, Gordon, let, we, me, let, me, let me interject there real quick. Those of you that are listening to this right now, you're listening to the podcast, which means you're online. All right, go ahead and open up another browser. And, and, and Gordon uh, started talking about the, this Valhalla project, and you probably wonder what is this. And, and he's been doing uh, talking about this property that they got in northern Arkansas uh, in the uh, Ozark area. If you type in, you can find out what, and look at what we're talking about right now by simply going to www.valhalla-project.com. Again, that's www.valhalla-project.com. Uh, and, and if you don't know how to spell Valhalla, it's V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A. -L -L -A. That is correct. Thank you for that. No, that's okay. We get it all the time. I yeah. mean, it's as bad as Kukuyu. <laughs> the, uh, so how do and, you of course, we, we picked the name because we wanted a uh, kind of a hua kind of theme here. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the one thing we absolutely refuse to accept is this broken, beaten-down veteran meme that tends to predominate in social media and candidly throughout a lot of our society. Right. We just uh, absolutely reject that. I rejected it uh, when I came back from Vietnam with the uh, with my generation, uh, who produced, you know, we certainly produced our share of uh, whiners, and um, I reject it now with these current vets because we've been downrange with them, we've seen what they do, We've been back here with them, and uh, while some may decide, and I think it's an individual choice, Adam, some may decide that they want to feel self-pity or they want to, uh, you know, to be catered to by a sympathetic public. The ones that benefit the most from stays here at Valhalla are the ones that are really looking for a renewed sense of mission and purpose and trying to recapture the uh, dynamism that they had when they were. Uh, in, in service, whether it was active duty, National Guard, or Reserves. We take them all. Right. But, you know, I'm looking, kind of scanning through the, through the website here, and I've heard so much about, about this over the last couple of years. 
Uh, so I'm really excited to have you on today. Oh, it's great to be with you. You know, Gordon, how did I, I want to take a kind of a step back because you were talking about you and, and, and your wife, Chris, uh, you know, making trips downrange, uh, you know, for the book, uh, which, folks, if, you, if you're interested in the book, if you're you, you got to check out Warrior Police, you can find it on the Valhalla Project website. It's on the right hand side. Uh, you can order the book from there. Uh, also follow them on uh, social media. They are on Facebook. Make sure you check out their page and give them a like. And we'll make sure that we have all of this stuff up on the uh, the Decision Hour page as well as the Heroes Media Group page later on today uh, and throughout the week. But talk a little bit about you know you, how did this? I want to I want to go back to the beginning. I want to go sure. back to when you and Chris are heading downrange. You're you're getting yeah. embedded with with uh, you know some of the line units. I'm assuming or you know some of these other the troops that are downrange. And 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 Chris has this idea that you know you want to you want to create this this atmosphere a place where you know veterans can come back to centrally located as you say in northern Arkansas it's a very beautiful area up there you guys uh, I believe you said you had about two hundred acres uh, up there yeah. how did so talk more like you're downrange and you guys are talking about this take us back then and and coming back to the states and, and how it started. Well, we were uh, we were kind of all over eastern Afghanistan on our last couple of embeds and got to see quite a bit of the country and, and embedded with a lot of units, primarily military police units because the um, the book Warrior Police is about military police downrange. But we had one fascinating experience with an Indiana National Guard unit in uh, outside of Cost. Afghanistan, which is near, uh, for those of you who may have these memories, uh, Fob Salerno, uh, very close to the Pakistani uh, tribal areas there. And this was a unit called Bravo 151 Infantry, and they were serving uh, in a role in lieu of, they used to call them ILO units because the, there weren't enough MP units to rotate through the coin mission that had been uh, imposed by Generals Petraeus and McChrystal. And so what these uh, men were doing were training up the Afghan National Police primarily, which is, you know, the listeners might assume is a natural job for the military police, our military police. But if there's not enough to go around, uh, they felt like they could uh, use, uh, you know, leg infantry units. Right. And so these these guys had gone up to a rather remote combat outpost that had absolutely nothing. It was on top of the hill. It had this one big brick building, and at the far end of this ridgeline had this uh, amazing British fort from the 19th century that uh, dominated there, and that was kind of cool. But they were up there with tents and sleeping mostly outdoors and stuff. Well, the beauty of a a guard unit is that all these skill sets that you've got that come along with it, a lot of these individuals were carpenters, electricians, plumbers, uh, architects, um, contractors, all these kinds of things. So they had a very, um, what we used to call in special forces, uh, innovative supply sergeant who managed to divert some dimension lumber from Fob Salerno up to that uh, combat outpost and they built and designed this place that just kind of blew our heads off. It was, uh, they had uh, decks and every uh, soldier had an individual little room, eight by ten room about, but they got to design it themselves and so it was very creative. A lot of bunks were, you know, like an upper bunk and then underneath there that have a desk, stuff like this. <clears throat> and when we came back uh, to the states on that summer, in between our, our trips back downrange, the the unit had asked us to come to Indiana, to Indianapolis, to be with their mustering out uh, program. So we did, and almost to an individual, the soldiers were asking us, "Oh, please, when you go back, uh, let us know what." what our cop looks like, you know, because we're so proud of what we did there. We're so excited about it. uh, And we're afraid that, you know, either the unit that replaced us or uh, if it were turned over to the Afghans, it wouldn't be the same. And I think that was a lot of what we were 
kind of fishing for that, that we finally were able to get our arms around when we're talking about this Valhalla project, this homestead, is that we can provide for these soldiers a permanency. In other words, when they come here and they build something or they construct something or they take, you know, they plant trees, they can come back and they can say, you know, in a year, five years, 10 years, uh, hey, I did that. I, I built that wall or I built that uh that little barn or I planted those trees and look at them now and you can't do that downrange and you know I it resonated deeply with me because I had been in Vietnam in the period where we're turning everything over to the Vietnamese and before we'd even clear the gate they'd have trucks in there stripping everything out and this is what's going to happen in Iraq or it's probably already happened in Iraq it's going to happen in Afghanistan, ultimately, is right. that you know, our so-called allies are just going to steal all this stuff, sell it to the, on the black market, and be done with it. And that's the hard reality of it. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat this for the listeners. The, so we said, we're going to do just the opposite. We're going to have something here that has legacy, has permanency. <clears throat> One of the traditions is that if you build something here, you sign your name on it. Nice. So, and... We've found that veterans have come, and we also make everybody sign the, uh, their name on the back door of the bunkhouse. And uh, when they, a lot of them will look on the back door and say, oh, I know this guy, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And it's kind of, that's kind of neat. But the, the, it gives a sense of permanency that's not present in, in deployed servants. I guess that's the best way to say it, if it makes sense. And so we kind of took that thread. We were trying to decide, okay, well, what do we really, what, what do we really want to set up? Well, we don't want to set up a rest home. There's too much of that anyway. These guys don't need to rest. They need to get focused and get active and do things. Um, there's too much resting out there, too much playing on electronic gear, all this crap. Um, and so what we wanted to do was have something where people could feel like they were making a real contribution and where they were doing something that would not only, uh, as Chris says, get them out of their own trip, but make them realize that other things are dependent on them. So that meant livestock and growing things, because if you don't take care of the livestock, um, they die. Right. And so they're learning, mother. It's 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 it, for those that have never done it. Like I grew up in you know north northern Wisconsin, and you know I I I helped. You know I, I had a family that were farmers. I'd help you know milk every now and then, and and there was stuff that you had to do to uh, make sure that, like you said, the livestock. Was, if they've never done that before, though, that's something that you guys you know you. you you teach, I'm assuming? Uh, you, you oh, we teach out. everything. Yeah, uh, okay. you, you come here. <laughs> we've, had, <laughs> we've had a lot of guys that have come here uh, who I think have never walked on soil before. It's always been concrete. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're right out of the city, that's, and that's fine. And I the mean, city slickers coming out and don't the, know what uh, to do. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's really... Uh, you know, kind of like Vince Lombardi said one time, uh, this is a football. You know, you really start from basics here. And, um, and you know, and a classic example is Chris. I mean, my goodness, Adam, when we came here five years ago, um, I passed her a, uh, a uh, you know, portable drill one time, and she didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> she was scared of it. She said, I've never had one of these in my hand before. Uh, now she builds everything. I mean, I, I usually get elbowed out of the way because she wants to get in there and work the, you know, the uh, uh, combo saw, saw and the, you know, the drill stuff and everything else, and she designs and builds everything. And that's kind of a metaphor for what happens here. I mean, we, you know, we start everybody off. Everybody gets a little chance to get a taste of everything. The, um, you know, whether it's the outdoor uh, or kind of, you know, farm type construction or um, learning how to do, you know, how to handle growing things, the garden, the orchards, well, let's, uh, learning let's, how to deal with let's uh, talk poultry. A little, let's let's talk yeah, a little but, bit about, about that, Gordon. How, how many how many buildings do you have on the property right now? Oh, uh, you mean including the outbuilding? Yep, yep. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Six, six. You got six, and I'm looking at some of the seven. pictures. Yeah, seven. I just remembered one. 
So and and you're talking about like uh, you know gardening uh, and and whatnot. I mean, Two hundred acres. I mean, so tell us a little bit. Like I, me, and I, and I just started my own garden here in Arizona. It's, it is true, people. You you can do that um, despite the dry heat. What what type of stuff are you guys pl- you guys plant uh, for in the in the garden? Good question. And um, a lot of this derives from the fact that I took. You know, I was beat up there for about a year and a half, Adam. I had, uh, you know, some really traumatic uh, issues with my knee and leg that, uh, you know, result of an injury in Vietnam. I had uh, a cardiac issue that got resolved. All this has gotten resolved. So I'm back, you know, uh, full of pee and vinegar now and there going full go. blast. Nice. But the um, at the time... I was kind of <clears throat> laid up and not able to go outside all that much and be effective. You know, it's it's kind of hard to, say, carry a bag of feed over your shoulder when you're on crutches. Right. And um, I ended up taking a uh, an online permaculture course out of, from an outfit in Australia. So a lot of what we've been implementing here uh, over time is based on the principles of permaculture, which we also introduced our Valhalla participants to. The uh, the idea being that you cycle as much as possible. You focus on building up the soil and uh, storing and soaking water, which, of course, as you know, particularly being in an arid area like Arizona, is absolutely vital. You cannot uh, – nothing lives without water, right. period. Either, you know, from, from the soil on up, you know, your, your microbiota, your uh, – your worms, your plants, your animals that depend on plants, and ultimately human beings. Three days without water, that's the rule. And with with a lot of these creatures, you don't even get that three-day window. But uh, So water is vital, and we, we work around that. We work around uh, different shade and sun areas, and basically what we've done here is because it's so the soil is so crummy, uh, I mean, you know, these were the these are the oldest mountain range in the in the uh, continental United States, and so they've had a chance to erode down and become nice and rocky, and they, and the soil has has uh, eroded away considerably. So we build raised beds. Okay. We uh, make extra deep holes when we plant our orchards. We're very. Uh, uh, we grow tightly, if you you know, kind of like that square foot gardening concept. Which, if the listeners don't understand that, they can look that up online too. Uh, but what we'll, what we try to do is get as as intense as we can out of what we have, and we focus uh, constantly on soil building, so that each year it gets better and better and better. And you know, some of the beds we've got now that you could hardly uh, drive a pickaxe into. You can pretty much go out there and garden with a trowel or or even a uh, you know a soup spoon, and it just takes time though. You know, it's not something that happens overnight. No, trees take time to grow. You know, this is our fourth year with some of our fruit trees, and they just kind of wanted to bear this year, but didn't really. Uh, so we're looking for probably getting our first fruit crop next year. We've had success with berries. Uh, we, we grow a lot of, uh, we try to grow as broad a spectrum as we can in our climate zone. And we'll push the edges to a degree. In other words, figs are not supposed to do well here, but we'll, we'll kind of fudge and make a little microclimate and see if we can sneak a fig tree in there that makes it through the, through the winter, the, um, that kind of thing. And so what, we, you know, what we're trying to do here is demonstrate and then teach how our veteran participants can take away from this something that may apply to them. They, they may never have a great big homestead, um, but I'll tell you what, you can do a whole lot on a uh, 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 suburban or you know, semi-country garden. Hey, I tell, you, uh, I tell you what, I got a couple of pots uh, right now that got like some string beans, some spinach, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and stuff like that, and and I, you know, I put it inside. And I I give it enough water, and and I leave it near a window, so it definitely gets some of the sunlight that it needs, or, or they they need and whatnot. And it, they've been growing growing great. And it, it's people don't realize it's like this is stuff that 
uh, and one thing I like about what you're talking about, Gordon, is and one of the reasons why I miss doing this type of stuff. I had a huge garden as a kid. My grandparents they, they have you know strawberries and rhubarb and you know corn, lima beans, the whole I mean every everything you could possibly think of, and uh, it, it teaches it, it, it one it kind of teaches you patience. Yeah, right. It teaches you oh, patience, yeah. and then you're you're growing your own food. You know, it's organic. And God forbid, what happens someday if you can't go to the store and purchase something that you want, whether whether it's spinach or kale or or, or cucumbers or whatever? Why not grow that stuff? And and what you're doing is you're you're saving money doing that too. And I don't I don't think people will really take that into consideration. You save a ton of money, particularly if you grow the things that are super expensive. Yeah. The, uh, you know, for example, um, we we didn't grow onions this year, but I grew shallots. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. onions are what seventy-five cents a pound. Shallots are five dollars a pound. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you 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 try to tailor this to where you've got stuff that might be commercially available and adequate, but for your specialty crops, particularly, you, you can do this kind of thing. And, and candidly, I mean, a, a lot of what we do here, too, um, some people might call prepping. Um, and I almost hesitate to use that, that word because of uh, some of the negative connotations that a lot of the mainstream media and uh, different political groups have put on it. But basically, that's what it is. I think people, and particularly veterans and and uh, but but people who are solidly grounded realize that uh, society is not static. Things happen. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to look that far away to see uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, tornadoes, um, it, it, big you, drought, I, big wet spells. All this kind of stuff happens, and you know we're not even taking into consideration any external factors. Right. And there are many that could happen. So I think that that you know for us, even though we're uh, we're not members of the uh, Latter Day Saints Church, we we're tied in loosely friendships with people who are, and admire the fact that these people are are you know have as a, a basic core tenant the idea that you need to have a year supply of food on hand being prepared for any emergency that might come along. Yeah. And not only is that for your family, but that, you know, maybe you have friends, elderly friends, for example. We have some elderly friends that I know if if we had a um, some sort of serious issue, uh, we'd be prepared to support them. And th- this is the kind of thing that I think we try to impart to our, our veteran participants too, Adam, is that... Uh, you know, the core U.S. values have, from time immemorial. I mean, from the time the first settler put put his or her foot on the you know on the rock, uh, it was basically self-reliance, independent living, uh, teamwork, the uh, and the ability to provide for you yourself and your family, and that's essentially what we try to demonstrate here. And then through demonstration and hands-on work, you you learn how to do. And you know when we have groups of veterans here, uh, we'll sometimes we'll have chalk talks. You know, we, particularly if it's either too cold or too hot to to go outside at the moment, we might uh, you know talk about some of the the principles involved in these kind of things and how they can do that themselves. And uh, you know how to evaluate property, how to uh, prepare that property for uh, when they want to, you know, take up permanent residence there. We, you know, we're toying with uh, off-grid, but that's going to still be down the line a little bit. But but all these things are in the planning and, and preparation phase because um, I think if you don't look ahead and realize that uh, things aren't always necessarily guaranteed to be exactly like they are today and you realize how fragile some of our systems are. Um, I mean, I was, I was in Manhattan when I, you know, for I lived in Manhattan for three years. I hope I never have to repeat that experience. But uh, <laughs> if there was going to be an inch of snow and you were two hours late getting to the grocery store, there wasn't anything left. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it it was like locusts had, you know, like like a biblical plague had come through there and cleaned <laughs> out the shallows. So imagine if, you know, if you're in one of these positions where you have a really serious situation and you don't get that automatic two-day, three-day supply that we've, uh, you know, that just-in-time inventory that the country's become used to, um, you better be prepared. You better have ways of uh, growing, preserving your own food, and uh, uh, having animals that can provide milk, eggs, meat, that kind of thing, yeah. uh, all of that. And then once you get those products, know what to do with it. Um, you know, one of the things that we we always have uh, groups do here when there is fermentation. You know, we've made apple cider, uh, we've made cider vinegar, we've made oh. um, different types of uh, cabbage-based fermented products. You know, cordito, kimchi, uh, sauerkraut, all that uh, kind of stuff. See, that's something. Yogurt yeah, with that's, the milk, that, cheese with the milk. That's something I've always wanted wanted to learn. I I got into. I started kind of the latter part of last year. I started getting into more. Uh, so I, I'll do a lot of uh, uh, pickled stuff, like, uh, I'll, like mm-hmm. pick, pickled asparagus, pickled eggs, uh, stuff Good like stuff. that. Yeah, yeah. But, then, but then I turned around and I started canning, uh, you know, stuff other than pickling it, just regular canning uh, stuff. And I started dib-dabbing a little bit with um, uh, different jams, making jams. Of course, it's a little little, little messy pro- uh, <laughs> yeah. pro- pro- progress. But uh, And then hun- uh, honey. We have a... Uh, I was back in Wisconsin uh, this year, and uh, we have uh, a hive. We have a couple of beehives, so we went and we we canned a bunch of the of the honey and stuff like that. And I I still got a can from about a year year and a half ago that's still good. Uh, but, yeah, listen, you you can keep the can for another ten years and yeah. it'll still be good. Yeah. yeah, I mean they've opened jars of honey in Egyptian tombs two thousand years old or or more that are still good. Yeah. Um, Honey is great, and and bees are on our wish list. Uh, right now, we get our uh, all of our honey from a local producer. But the you know that's another key too for for living in a homestead like this, is that you don't have to start out knowing knowing how to do everything or being able to do everything. Uh, you've got neighbors that specialize or or are really good at certain things. You know, we've got uh, a friend who. Uh, lives nearby, who has grass-fed dairy cows. Oh wow! You know, not not a bunch. You know, two or three. Uh, he's got a couple of Jerseys and a Jersey Swiss Swiss Brown combination. We get our raw milk from him. Uh, Chris has gone nuts over the last three or four years, uh, teaching ourselves herself through uh, practical exercise and through online training, um, not only on food prep. Uh, all kinds of different food prep, but using spices that most Americans aren't familiar with. And also, uh, she's been studying intensely on the effects of nutrient-dense food that is not affected by um, pesticides, herbicides, and chemical fertilizer, right. none of which we use here. Right. And All organic. Uh, yeah, it's all organic. Although I hate to use that word because the uh, industry has already co-opted it. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's all natural stuff. Yeah, there you and go. that's part of the deal too. We we had a group here once that actually wanted to learn a group of vets that wanted to learn homesteading. So you know, we we focused on that. We had a very structured program for them. And um, one of the things was okay, the uh, the sheep area needs to be cleaned out. Uh, the compost pile needs to be made. The last year's compost needs to be cycled into the garden. And so it, as they did that, it became abundantly clear to them there's no waste involved here. What would be seen as a waste product, the manure, the spoiled hay, the spoiled straw, all yeah. that stuff, uh, becomes incredibly rich soil within a few months that gets processed into the garden that produces this excellent food that you're eating the waste from the food uh, might feed the chickens and the ducks who then produce their own waste and also their own good products i mean we get more duck eggs here than you can shake a stick at the uh and you know we emphasize with our uh, with our participants the uh 
enormous benefits of this. Uh, you know, we have zero bill. I don't, I don't pay a cent for pesticides, chem, uh, chemical fertilizers, or herbicides. Not a cent. We have never had a, an expenditure like that since, you know, since we've uh, started here. And yet there are farmers in America, particularly the, those who are uh, locked into the industrial model, that that's their largest annual expense. And, I mean, you, you know, you came from farming community up in the uh, upper north uh, Midwest, and, and you know this. You know, if you're growing these monocultural-type crops, um, you've got to do something or else you're going to be wiped out. Yeah. And so when you have this kind of arrangement where you very selectively plant, you know, we have, uh, we're into things like companion planting and uh, medicinal and culinary herbs and, you know, um, a huge selection of fruits and vegetables, as much as we can possibly cram in, and we're looking for space to put in more, um, <clears throat> that it gives you a sense of accomplishment and of uh, being independent that you I don't think you can get any other way no I think what you guys are doing you're really creating a, a, a natural environment uh, where, where one people can learn life I mean let's face it this is a life these are life skills that that, that you're teaching out there and, mm -hmm. and, and like you said going out there learning to do this stuff doing it you get that sense of accomplishment or the veteran gets that, that sense of accomplishment. I can say that because I've, I've done a lot of the stuff that you're talking about. And at the end of the day, I remember, yeah, it was, it was hard. You know, it's not easy work. It's, it's hard work, but I always felt like I always felt good because I felt like something got done. I felt like I accomplished something. And, and then you get to, uh, you know, later on when you harvest during the harvest season, uh, you know some of the, the you know the vegetables and or, or even some of the meats for that matter. Um, you you see all of that hard work that you've done, and it, and it's like the I guess the circle of life kind of a bad analogy, but I mean it's it's all no, it's it, a, you know that's it's, good. It, I mean it's a little cliche, but yeah. it works. And, yeah, it's, you know, it, but it's, it's all there. Really, you know? Not really a better better way to say it. You know, and it's and, and, and it's you know, it's great, and I and that's what I love. I absolutely love about like I'm I'm like <laughs> I'm on the verge of selling my house. So if anybody wants a house in Phoenix, folks, get a hold of me. <laughs> I need well, some one of the things, too, is I, I want to emphasize that, you know, we're not running a slave labor, North Korean slave labor. Right. Here, and, <laughs> yeah, you right. Know, that uh, we, we allow plenty of time. You know, basically what we uh, we insist on is that veterans who come here spend a minimum of four hours a day on uh, project activities. Uh, whatever that might be, you know, that might be morning and evening chores, taking care of the garden. Uh, maybe we're going to put in a new, uh, you know, put some fencing in for a new paddock, whatever, you know, cleaning out, doing this, doing that, building something. Right. Uh, it's hard to, to say specifically. I mean, I've had a lot of people say, well, what's an average day like that? And I said, well, you know, it depends on the time of year. Uh, are you planning? Are you maintaining? Are you harvesting? Are you storing? Um, are you, you know, are lambs hitting the ground or, um, you know, did you just hatch out a batch of duck or chicken eggs and you're, you know, you, you, you're focused on getting them all brooded up and everything. Um, is it time to take out some of the, uh, birds or some of the animals for processing? Are you hunting? Cause we've got, you know, hunting here and, um, oh. particularly, uh, deer in, in season and, uh, wild hog year around the um, you know the uh, we're we're setting up part of our program here is forest stewardship in fact we've been uh, we're really proud of the fact that uh, two years ago we were awarded the uh, uh, participant in the uh, uh, Arkansas State Forestry Commission uh, forest stewardship program so oh, nice. Valhalla is now a member of that and uh, we take care of the forest you know, we harvest our uh, timber to have it milled and then use after it's dried and ready to go. We'll use the milled wood to do our outdoor construction here primarily. Mm -hmm. We um, have, you know, uh, thinned out. <clears throat> We're constantly looking to thin out the bad trees and, and encourage more growth. 
and we're also using that as wildlife habitat promotion so that we're uh, we're trying to bring back bob white quail which you know used to be thick as can be here in uh, north arkansas but have, have declined because of habitat loss so we're working on that we've got wild turkey and just tons and tons of non-game species that are you know all over the place and along with as you might expect predators we've got uh, raccoon possum bobcat and occasional mountain lion occasional bear coyotes uh, more than we particularly care for right. uh, got a you know if you're interested in herpetological identification techniques there's a lot of snakes and stuff around hmm. um, not that many though really because we we encourage the black snakes here because they eat the copperheads right. uh, the birds tend to chase a lot of the snakes away too because the chickens will kill the small ones right the um, you, guys, you know we've got bir- birds of prey so I, <clears throat> it's a it's a pretty wild and woolly area in some aspects uh, and and I think that that challenge also appeals to uh, you know kind of a core fun sort of thing in a lot of vets because you know we didn't most of us didn't join the military because we were looking for a safe secure uh, cubicle to hide in somewhere uh, we got in because we wanted it to be physically and mentally challenging and and found that challenge you know whether it's standing in the door of an aircraft or uh, you know or scuba diving or you know going into combat whatever you do the and so we're trying to replicate a little bit of that here and again that goes back to the name you know Valhalla project where you know we we're uh, we kind of call on the values of the old Viking community that yeah. uh, you you know you all hop in a long boat and you set off for the horizon. You don't know what they, what you're going to find on the other side, but it, whatever it is, you're prepared for it, and that's kind of what we're we're impart, trying to impart to our vets here. Is um, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, nobody gave me a crystal ball. And but I, you know, I've got some ideas, and I think that some of it's going to be good, some of it's going to be bad, some of it's going to be ugly, and you better be prepared for all of it. Gordon, uh, that that's just life. Gordon, let's talk about the listen, folks. Again, if you're you're listening to this podcast right now, open up another browser, go to vahala-project.com. That's V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A-Project.com. Gordon, I want to talk about. You know, first off, for the people that are listening, for my listeners that are out there right now, and they're looking at this, how do they get? How do they get involved? Uh, let's say there's it's a civilian and they, and they want to make a donation. I mean, you, you guys are a five hundred one c three. Yeah, we're a five hundred one c three. We've been approved by the IRS, although that's another story over a cup of coffee sometime. <laughs> but. Uh, the uh, I've I've got my letter from Lois Lerner in the file. So so the, people, uh, people can make donations to, to you can to make Bahama. donations. Okay. Uh, we also have on uh, if you go to Amazon, um, we're we're on Amazon Prime. I've got what is it? Amazon Smile. Okay. So you can you can kind of you know if you're buying stuff on Amazon anyway, um, they'll kick a few pennies into our coffers and you know everything helps. Gotcha. The uh, we also have if you go on the Valhalla page that you cited that uh, Valhalla-Project.com uh, there's a wish list there because a lot of people Adam and frankly I don't blame them a bit have been burned by these uh, either bogus or <clears throat> what I consider uh, egregiously greedy veterans charities over the last couple of years <laughs> yeah, yeah, and have said, you know, I don't want to give any more money to these damn people because they're going to buy cars and, you know, pay big salaries. Well, we don't draw any, Chris, Chris and I, nor anyone else associated with the project draws a cent in uh, salaries or benefits. So I want to get that out right away. Nice. Uh, any donations that come to Valhalla go right to veterans pro- uh, participant projects. The, the other thing they can do if they're concerned about that or if they want to know, well, where's my money going to go? You can go to our website. You can click on our wish list. And Chris has put up a whole list of things, you know, from uh, just a dollar or two all the way up to more expensive, which you can say, okay, I want to click on, you know, I want to donate a 
widget to Valhalla, and we'll get that. And then you know, okay, I spent you know X amount of money, and I bought them two widgets, but I know those widgets are going to be put to good use. I don't have to worry about misuse of my you know my precious funds because for a lot of people, you know, money's tight these days. Let's be realistic. Absolutely. Uh, so you know that, that's another way to do it. The the other aspect that I want to emphasize here is that we're really not prepared. It's not our mission to care for veterans who are have clinical levels of post-traumatic stress or have been so physically uh, tore up that they really can't get around properly on a homestead activity. We've, we had a vet here in a chair, and it, it worked out, but it really took two uh, other, you know, two of his buddies to make sure that he was okay during the day. Right. And, and I don't know how much of a benefit the whole experience was for that particular individual because he simply couldn't do things through limitations. Uh, if someone's got a serious addiction problem or if they're on heavy meds for, or treatment for PTSD, there's really other facilities, other organizations in the country that are better organized to do that. That said, uh, we, we get a lot of people here who have no issues at all. Uh, they just want to come and kind of reground themselves, if you will. I guess that's a, a, a word. Get an experience. And they want to kind of clear their head from the noise that you get in the uh, in the civilian community right now with the just all the outside stuff that seems to be constantly going on, the... Uh, including electronic media, by the way, yeah, Absolutely. and social media. Uh, far too many of our guys are uh, getting too deep into that. And when you come here, one of the things that's a little traumatic is if you're going to be out on the property, uh, you you have to leave your games and stuff at home you know, <laughs> here in the, in the house because uh, it's too dangerous out there. Yep. I mean, I was up on a ladder one time, and the vet holding the ladder said, oh, look, I just got a picture of so-and-so. And I said, put that damn thing down and hold the ladder. Yeah. You know, I'm, I break too easy. And so, <laughs> you know, we, we decided at that point the two were incompatible. Take pictures, yeah, take all the pictures you want. Right. But, but you know, don't start playing games and stuff when you're, yeah. when you're out of the field. I mean, we've got dangerous stuff going on here, axes and saws and... Uh, power tools and chainsaws and well, other lives depend on it. I mean, the, the animals' lives and stuff like that. That they, they need attention, and, and people aren't aware of just how much attention they actually need, uh, and, and and whatnot. When you're feeding them, cleaning the pens, or or, or whatnot. I used to have. Uh, <clears throat> I said this oh, about about a year ago. Um, I said, you know what the what needs to happen? What would happen if 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 a microburst? just shut down the entire country's internet. People wouldn't know how to communicate. You know, I remember growing up that, uh, you know, snail mail, as they call it nowadays, is, you know, you drop a letter in the mail. That was, that was big. Or you had the big rotary phone. Gordon, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. The big rotary phones that hang on the wall. Yeah, I certainly know what you're yeah, talking about. You know, <laughs> uh, you had, you had something like, you know, something like that. I've even uh, we went as far as I took a Morse code class just just to, you know, people are like, why are you doing that? You're wasting time. Hey, I mark my words. You never know if something's going to happen. Uh, so God forbid if that happens, you know, I'd be out of. I'd be out of business because my, my, my business isn't, is, is on the internet. But, but one of the most peace, peaceful times folks is, and those of you that have listened to my show for the last year and a half, I, uh, I, I take a, you know, when I go back to Wisconsin, the house, uh, my grandparents' house, uh, the farmhouse, they don't have internet. They, there's no internet. There's, there's no cell phone service. Uh, and it's by far probably the most peace I get all year. So when I go home, that's where I call home, uh, it, it's very peaceful. If you go to the Valhalla Project, go to Valhalla Project, uh, excuse me, Valhalla-project.com, and you just look at just the pic, just look at the pictures uh, at this place, and you could see just how peaceful, and read, really get involved with this. Uh, they have a critical needs list. Um, go on there, you know, 
make make a donation and and here's a question I have for you, uh, Gordon, for the listeners that are out there that are veterans and they want to they want to come to your uh, t- to the site to the facility there. How do what's the best way for them to do? They reach out or can somebody nominate somebody to go or how do, how does that process work? Uh, one thing we do require, Adam, is that uh, every veteran who wants to come here contacts us personally. Uh, it really does no good if uh, we've been through this, you know, we've been down this road before. If I get a call from a mother or a sister or a brother saying, oh, uh, Joe or Jill would really benefit by coming to Valhalla. And I say, maybe, but Joe or Jill has got to in- initiate the contact because if they don't have enough interest to either send me an email and, you know, and, and our, our uh, email address is on the site or pick up the phone and call and our phone number is on the site, then they're probably not going to benefit very much when they come out here anyway. So direct contact is what we need. We do require a copy of your DD-214, and please black out the Social Security number. I don't want to, uh, don't even want to know it. Um, and if you are involved still on either active duty or active guard or reserve, any of that nature, and you can get a letter from a uh, NC, you know, senior leadership, NCO, uh, officer, anything like that, that's nice to have, but not necessarily you know, a requirement. But the DD-214 is because we've had people who have tried to fake their way here. Um, they, it, it happens a lot. The uh, unfortunately, I'm you know, it, nobody really wants to serve, but then when it comes time to get the benefits, all of a sudden you find a lot of bogus veterans yeah, out there. Yeah. The so just contact us. We'll send you an application form. We'll send you a liability waiver, and we'll go from there. We'll arrange it. Uh, when you're here, you do not pay for food. You do not pay for lodging. You do not get compensated. Uh, you don't draw any salary or anything. You're just here. You're here to benefit from the homestead and the activities here. You do have to make your own way here, though. We don't have the funding to uh, pay for transportation to get you here, unfortunately. That's just you know part of the way things are. As I said, we can take up to six or eight at a time. Uh, we, if you have a particular interest express that on the application form. Say, I'm particularly interested in livestock, or I want to learn about the basics of permaculture, or I want to learn how to set up my own garden, or I want to learn forestry or trail maintenance, or how to set up a a food plot for deer or turkey. Whatever, I want to learn how to cook. Um, Trust me, you're going to learn how to cook while you're out here, because we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not your, you know, we're not a bed and breakfast. We're not gonna, you know, you're going to get in there and you're going to learn every aspect of food prep, uh, cooking, why we do what we do, uh, and you're going to learn how uh, wonderful it is to have a clean kitchen afterwards. Nice. The, um, it just, you know, it goes along with the territory. Uh, if you're on a homestead, you're on the homestead. As far you know, once you cross in the gate, you're part of the community, and the you. And really, if you leave and you're successful here, you're always welcome back. The you know because we recognize that every you know life is a sine wave. It's not always an upward upward curve, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. You can contact us again sometime in the future and say, "Hey, I'd really like to come back." We've had successful people here who have called and said, "I'd like to come back. I'm feeling great. Things are going wonderful." But I want to come back and do something because I always I enjoyed myself so much while I was there, and I want to do something so I can feel like I'm contributing to some of my battle buddies. And so you get that too. And if when you're here, no matter what kind of a disparate group we have, uh, you know we've had guys here at one time who have been Air Force, Navy, Army, uh, Marine Corps. The everybody gets together because you have a certain shared experience and value system that you may not even recognize is is ingrained in you and it's very easy for you to identify with and and talk to people 
uh, with similar background, considerably easier than it is for you to talk to a lot of your, even your friends and family in the civilian community. And, you know, goodness knows I found that out personally, that uh, after a certain point, you just get tired of telling them, you know, and uh, you get the same stupid questions. Uh, did you kill anybody? You know, that, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and you get the same well, that's nice, and, you know, let me tell you about who's winning American Idol right now. Uh, the, the One of the things we heard so much downrange, Adam, was were soldiers saying, uh, America's not at war. We're at war. America's at the mall. And we really see that. You know, the, uh, if, if the best that the civilian community can do is stick a yellow ribbon on their refrigerator, that's really not doing much. Uh, if you, you know, if, if those of you who are out there who are truly concerned about veterans, forget about all this raising awareness stuff. It does nothing. Uh, raising awareness is an excuse for not doing anything. You gotta be what you really want to do is, is action-oriented. Yep. Uh, a program like Valhalla, and there are other small ones out there, are action-oriented. In other words, when a veteran comes here, the veteran actually leaves with something more than just a uh, a little quickie fishing trip or a, a fun experience at the ball game or something like that. This is life changing. So if you're a veteran looking to come here, expect to leave with having a, a really dramatic and dynamic experience. Outstanding. Folks, we're talking with Gordon, founder, co-founder of, of the Valhalla Project. Uh, go to www.vahala-project.com. Gordon, is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners today? I think that particularly for the veteran participants or those of you who think you might be interested in this, give it a hard look. You may surprise yourself. Even if you are sitting there or driving or doing whatever you're doing, thinking, well, you know, that sounds like it might be too much work or that sounds like it might not be something I'd be particularly interested in. Um, give it a hard look. You might surprise yourself because even if today you don't think that any of these skill sets will apply to you, what you may not be aware of is that simply by learning and being exposed to these skill sets, it's going to improve dramatically your skill sets in other areas. In other words, if you're confident and know that deep down inside, if things really turn bad, I, I know how I can take care of myself, then that sense of confidence and, and uh, independence and personal responsibility transforms into your civilian activities, too. Absolutely. So there's a lot of depth here, probably more than you might sense on the surface. Now, if you're on the other side, if you're saying, wow, I really want to learn about this stuff, I really want to get involved in it, uh, let us know on your application because we'll make sure that you you get special emphasis on any of the things that you, you know, any of the particular areas that you want to uh, participate in heavily. You'll get a little bit of everything. Everybody gets everything. Uh, and then once you go, you know, you get a taste of everything, then you'll find out, wow, that really appeals to me. I just love working with the sheep. Or I, I think that, uh, you know, growing herbs and spices is, you know, the cat's pajamas, that kind of thing. Whatever it may be, um, we'll work with you on that. And we'll teach you the basics. And from a lot of you, uh, Adam, we learn a lot from our participants, trust me. Yeah. Uh, we've had guys here with a similar farm background for you than you. And I find that whenever I go anywhere, I always get two kinds of lessons. I get the negative lessons and the positive lessons. Yep. Things that you want to adapt, uh, things that you're not particularly interested in. As uh, Pastor Joe Fox on Viking Preparedness always says, uh, chew the meat and spit out the bones. You know, <laughs> uh, take what you think you can use, discard the rest. Right. And that's the same philosophy here at Valhalla Project. You know, uh, learn what you, you can take away from it. Use this as a resource. Uh, if you, you're not going to come out here, support us because we're actually helping veterans. We're not just, you know, sitting around uh, wringing our hands and peeing and moaning and thinking about, you know, what a wonderful world it could be. We're trying to make that wonderful world. 
Absolutely, and you're definitely doing that. Gordon, appreciate your time today. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, telling more people about the Valhalla Project and, and even getting a chance to come out there myself, uh, hopefully here in the oh, near future. Oh, yeah, we'd love to have you out. Yeah, uh, here in the near future. <laughs> It'd be great. At least you'd see something green. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Gordon, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure, Adam. Really appreciate you taking the time and giving me the opportunity to talk to this uh, incredible listening audience. I know you have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Folks, that was Gordon Kukuyu, the Valhalla Project. Awesome. Make sure you check that out, folks. Get involved. Go to www.valhalla-project.com. That's V-A-L-H-A-L-L-A-project.com. I, I, I can't get over, you know, looking at their website and just how cool a lot of this stuff is. You know, I grew. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. Those of you didn't know, I grew up in the Midwest doing a, gardening and stuff like that. Is it's stuff I miss hunting, fishing. They have all this stuff. And if you're a veteran and you're looking to 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 learn about these things or or just to get away for a few days, um, it, it's it's you you don't pay to to go out there. You have to pay to get your way there, but you're not paying for room and board and, and you don't get paid while you're there because you're working, you know, minimum of four hours. You learn so much. There's a lot of skills and stuff. So make sure you check that out. It's Vahalaproject.com. Um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, all I can say is, is you got to get involved. I'm looking forward to going out there. We've already made some plans to uh, head out that direction uh, at the turn of the uh, beginning of the year. So, that's all the time I have today, folks. I got to give a big, uh, big, big thank you to Valhalla Project and, and Gordon for, for coming on today and talking about their awesome organization, what they're doing for the uh, our nation's veterans. Want to be a big thanks again to Heroes Media Group. Make sure you check out all the shows and the sponsors by going to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Also take a look at their events page and check out. They're going to be traveling quite a bit. I say they. There's a lot of us are going to be uh, out at some different shows uh, across the country. So stay tuned for that. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at uh, Heroes Media GRP. Until next time, folks, thanks again. I'm Adam, and you've been listening to The Decision Hour. Try